0: The outstanding analyst for St. Louis Blues hockey on 101 ESPN is Joey Vitale. He's also a foodie, mm-hmm. and this morning we've been talking about Michelle's apparent hatred of broccoli. And <laughs> so, can't, so, can't, so can't. Joey V, we're we're doing the 75 hard thing where we have to be on a good diet, we have to exercise, and I'm telling Michelle that I'm I'm on board with grilled chicken, and I find ways to make grilled chicken and broccoli good. And I want to know if if she's right that there's no way that broccoli can be good, or if I'm right that you can find a way to properly prepare broccoli to make it enticing.
1: Well, see, that's the problem, Randy, is that when people go, like, uh, on these diets or they want to, like, take care of themselves, I feel like cauliflower and broccoli, they're very accessible, and they're the one of the go-to vegetables for people <clears throat> who want to kind of, you know, cut back or trim down. I've done it myself. And, and, and why that is, I think, is because you look at the grocery stores, and they have those pre-made bags with broccoli and cauliflower in them where you just pop them in the microwave. So they're very accessible for people. So broccoli kind of comes to mind. But the problem with it is people just throw them in the microwave or they just steam them, and what do they taste like, they kind of taste like steamed broccoli. But, but, but there is a way to do it. There, there is a way to do it. And like my nana always told me, God rest her soul, she's been gone 20 years, whenever in doubt, just add Parmesan cheese. She used to add Parmesan cheese. She used to pile up the Parmesan cheese. I'll never forget. of making spaghetti at her house uh, old home, and she got the wood spoon, and she's shaving Parmesan on my spaghetti. And she just said to me, "You can never have too much of Parmesan, Joey." And she was—I mean, it was a mound, a mound of Parmesan. And you know what? She's not wrong. And not with noodles, but with broccoli. So, uh, Michelle, if you're having problems with broccoli, I always just say get a good block, of nice 24 month age Parmigiano Reggiano from Parma, mm-hmm. and just shave that thing right on top with some really good extra virgin olive oil—really good stuff from the hill—and then you're going to be all set.
2: Joey, your grandma, wise woman, wise woman. That's obviously great advice, but I think we're supposed to be avoiding a lot of cheese.
1: Who said that? Don't <laughs> listen to these people. I tell you what, that, that really grinds my gears these people with, oh, watch the dairy, watch the fast. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. I mean, just, I mean, you can learn a lot from history. You know, were, were there a lot of people that were obese and overweight and have a heart disease 100 years ago, 200, 300, 400? No. What do they eat? They eat their pigs. They eat the guanciale. They ate the fat. They, they had the extra virgin olive. They loaded up on the cheese, everything from the sheep they used. I mean, to me, it's just about getting that wholesome animal. Get the butter. Get the good butter, though. You know what I mean? Don't don't get away from the boxed stuff. Get away from all that. The good fats, the good olive oils, the good butters, the good cheeses, all the meats. Uh, the more fat, the more merry. You really want a good marble on the meat. If you do that, you're going to be in good health. Trust me.
0: You heard it from Joey first. <laughs> a doctor once told me, Joey, shop the perimeter of the grocery store. Shop the produce aisle. You get to the meats. You get to the dairies. You get to the, uh, the, the bakery area that they make if you're going to do it. Stay away from all the processed stuff in the middle. And that if you want to be healthy, just shop the perimeter of a grocery store.
1: Perimeter, that's an incredibly, incredibly insightful, Randy, and that's that's what I try to do. And, and so when you do that, keep this in mind, too. When you come home with this food, which is generally supposed to be cold, uh, you're going to need more room in your refrigerator than your pantry. So that's the other thing. A lot of people, uh, people's pantries are three times the size of the refrigerators when it should be the other way around. Uh, you should have a fridge in the kitchen. You should have a fridge in the garage if you can get it. Um, so because you, your capacity, your space in your house should be more driven towards keeping stuff cold than, than keeping stuff at, at room temperature. And that's something when when my pantry gets a little too full, I tell my wife, we got to cut back. We got to We got we to move some stuff around. We got to get rid of some of the stuff. Uh, but you're absolutely right. It's a really good thing to keep in mind. Uh, things should be kept cold. That means that they're going to spoil very quickly. I would say everything except oats. Oats is probably the only thing yeah. I shop in the middle of the store for because I love a good steel cut oat. Steel cut oats they take a long time, but they're definitely worth it.
2: Great advice, Joey. See, we can bring you on to talk about anything. You're the best, but I'm sure people want us to talk a little blues hockey. So we had Alex Petrangelo on the station. He had a great interview with Ribs and BK this week. And it just seems like listening to him, listening like the, to the blues side of things, that both parties had their stance and they weren't willing to bend. And even though both parties have a lot of mutual love and respect for each other, that it was never going to work out. They were never going to come to an agreement.
1: Yeah, I would say that. that's fair. Uh, that, that's kind of the vibe I got, you know, a couple of weeks ago leading into free agency. And, and you know, it, it's tough. I mean, you know, Petro, obviously, he wants to go out um, on a good note with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, but also, I feel like he wanted to move on. So, how do you strike that balance? Uh, and I think for a player, you strike it by moving on, A, but also letting the fan base know that you tried everything you could uh, to stay. You know, how how truthful is that? You know, we'll never really know. I think he handled it about himself the right way. There's no easy way to leave on a good note and then leave. You you know know what I mean? Like we look at Albert Pujols. Uh, That that was a tough departure as well. It's going to be tough. You know, what I will say about it, though, is uh, I just applaud our general manager for how he handled himself throughout all of this. You know, we'll find out probably the details somewhere down the road about the negotiations, but I don't even care about the negotiations. Uh, our general manager in Doug Armstrong, he had some sort of insight. He had some sort of intuition leading into Friday morning of free agency that this thing would not get done. Nothing was official yet, but he must have gotten a good feel or good sense that this would probably not get done with Petro. So he had to go out there and aggressively get the second best defense on the market. And he not only got him, uh, he landed him for a really good price tag, I believe, because the worst case scenario would have been, as we all know, you kind of feel like Petro could still happen. Maybe you don't have a good grip on the situation. You wait, you wait, you wait. All of a sudden, Torrey Krug is picked up by the Carolina Hurricanes, for example. And then three late, three days later, you're sitting here without a good defenseman. So that's that's not where Doug Armstrong wanted to be. Uh, he's one of the greatest uh, general managers in the game right now because of how aggressive he is. He reminds me a lot of Jim Rutherford in, in Pittsburgh. When he sees an issue, he aggressively goes out and he attacks it. And, and for that reason, guys, I really feel like we're still in a very, very good spot, in some ways even
0: better. Joey, it seems to me that one of the things that Doug Armstrong has done, and I would assume that it's by design, is built himself a pretty good power play. Krug, as great as Petro is, he's not the power play quarterback that I think Krug is, and they got Falk because of his power play shot, and he, he never really had that opportunity, plus Pareko on the point. I think the Blues have a chance, and with Jim Montgomery on the coaching staff, to have a really a great power play.
1: Well, I just mentioned that in some ways the blues will be better. And to me, this is probably the number one way the blues have improved. If their power play is going to be much better. I mean, look at Jim Montgomery, just for example, as the assistant coach, you have a lot more knowledge. You know, No disrespect to Savard, but you know, you have so much more knowledge now on the bench as far as a coach that was in Dallas. He saw Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn and Klingberg and all these guys move the puck around, so he's got that expertise. But let's put Jim Montgomery aside for right now. Let's focus on Tory Krug. Tory Krug is going to improve this power play for many different reasons. Uh, one, the mind. He's got the mind for power play. Why? Because he's been with the greatest power play, one of the best power plays in the league for the last decade uh, with the Boston Bruins. He understands what Marchand was doing, what Bergeron was trying to do crazy. He's going to have a wealth of knowledge and experience where he's going to step into these power play meetings with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron, And he's going to say, this is good, Jimmy. This is good. Monty, but Hey, check this out. What if we did this? And he kind of, he's going to have that mind and that experience and uh, the pedigree now to come into meetings and say, let's try things maybe a different way here. Let's move this guy over here. So number one, that's what Torrey Cruz is going to do. He's going to have a good mind for the power play, uh, a technical thing, which uh, a lot of people probably have overlooked, um, but as you mentioned, I'm one of the best, uh, Randy, so I haven't worked it. Yeah. But um, is, uh, he's a left shot, right? Petro was a righty. Now, why does that matter? Well, it matters because I believe that David Prahn is your biggest threat now on this power play with Vladimir Tereschenko out. Uh, David Prahn, when he's setting up on that left side, he's in his one-timer position, okay? So with defensively, when you have Petro out there, follow me here, Petro's a righty, and he's giving it to another righty in Perron. So your only one-timer threat is now David Perron. So as a defender, I'm guarding for the one-timer in David Perron. If Perry goes back up to Petro at the point, uh, that's fine. But Petro's not a one-timer in that position. So you have time to get reset. Now with Tory Krug as a lefty, he's going to be at the top of the point where Petro was. He's a lefty feeding it to a righty. So it's a lefty feeding to uh, David Prahn, who is a one-timer threat. And now Perron is going to feed it back to Tori Krug, who is now an also a one-timer threat because he's a left-handed shot compared to a right-hander and Petro. So it's going to be a great one-timer threat option. The blues have now at the point that they haven't had for some time, especially with Vladimir Teresinko in the lineup who loves to play on his offside, which forces David Prahn on his offside. So really there's no really one-timer threat except the Petro. But now with, on the right, on a strong side, you have Krug now in a one-timer position, um, and now Braden Chen as well on the far side as one-timer position, so one-timing threat is something the Blues have really lacked in the last couple years, uh, and I think that that is something that has really kind of driven this power play away from success, so now with Tori Krug out there, you have one-timer options, he's an incredible visionary on the power play, he'll look one way, dish another way, just great concept for the game, great mind for the game, and not to mention, guys, he's He's hungry. Let's keep this in mind. Uh, you know, having a Stanley Cup for Petro, uh, and I'm not saying this. This is the case, but for a lot of players, you win a Stanley Cup, you've done what he's done. He's made all the money he can make. You know, you worry about is he going to take the foot off the gas a little bit? Well, Tory Krug, I know that it will never happen because you have a kid that's been there twice, has never won a cup. Uh, St. Louis is really going to embrace this kid. He's young, he's undersized, but he's feisty. God, he brings his work work bucket to work every single day he plays with his heart on his sleeve and this is kind of the blues brand of hockey that this fan this fan base is really going to fall in love with Tory Krug.
2: Great analysis Joey I can just feel blues fans smiling as they're listening to you break that down but there's a couple of members of this blues team that we hope takes the next step in one way or another so I'm going to give you three guys tell me who you think has the most pressure on them to take that next step this season Robert Thomas Justin Falk or Colton Pareko? Justin Falk just
1: Justin Fogg, you didn't even need to give me the three. You didn't even need to give me the three, Michelle. I, I, was, gonna, I was just going to say Justin Fogg, but I want to kind of give you uh, – it's Justin Fogg, guys. It, Justin Fogg, uh, the pressure's on him. Uh, every Blues player's at home right now or here in St. Louis training or rehabbing, and I put my mind in every player's head right now in the mental space of being in the offseason. I've been, I've been in that spot. You know, you're trying to get ready for the next season, high expectations, low expectations, whatever it is. But in that mental space, I feel like the most pressure uh, needs to fall on Justin Falk. This young man's making $9 million next year. Uh, I know it's not going to be his average over the next five to six years, but he is making $9 million uh, next year. You were brought in as a security blanket in case you lost Petro, which the Blues did. Um, You were a standout defenseman, the number one guy in Carolina. Doug Armstrong brought you to St. Louis, not to be the number one guy, but to definitely be a top four guy, a guy that can eat up 22, 23 minutes of good hockey get in on the offense, shut things down defensively, and and basically grab a game when when the team needs it. Uh, Was he that this year? I think he'd be the first one to tell you that he wasn't. That wasn't an adjustment? Absolutely. You can't take anything away from the fact that he's he's only been with one organization his whole career. You come to St. Louis, they just won the Cup. I mean, keep this in mind, guys. He gets here, they go to Washington, D.C. He stays at the hotel while the team goes to meet the president. uh, The ring ceremony. He's at his hotel room while the rest of the team's in the ring ceremony. He kind of had to feel out of place there for a little while. So I think the Blues kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt here for the first couple months. But then kind of Christmas and January rolls around. We're still not really seeing anything yet. But, again, he's playing those fifth, sixth offensive minutes when he's used to 23, 24 minutes, not to mention being on the top power play there in Carolina. So a lot of things, I think, disturbed Justin Falk. So I completely understand why maybe this year was a lot of growing pains. But that year's behind you, and now you've got to look at year two. Uh, I really enjoyed watching him there in the playoffs in Edmonton. I loved the way he played when he was getting more commanding minutes because Pareko and Petrangelo's game had slid a little bit. So you got to put him up there and give him more minutes. And when you fed the monster, he really kind of, uh, I think, really relished in that role, and it kind of got him back to maybe the Carolina style where he was playing a lot more minutes. Well, now Petro's gone. Pareco's going to be your number one guy on the right. You are the number two guy on the right. You're going to be in top four minutes. So th- the opportunity is going to be there. You're not going to fall down to the third pair anymore. You're not going left. You're not going back to the right side. You're not mixing it up. You're playing on the right side, and you're going to be our number two right-handed defenseman to eat up top four minutes. Uh, the, the pressure has got to be on Justin Falk. He's got to come up this year, and he's got to play that commanding style that he did in Carolina because that's why Doug Armstrong got him.
0: Joey, is always, great stuff. Have a wonderful weekend, sir.
1: Ray Michelle, you guys have a wonderful weekend. It got a little chilly. It's starting to get a little chilly. <laughs> falls in the air, but you guys enjoy it. And, uh, uh, you know, Michelle, you can always you can always make pesto with broccoli. People always forget about that oh. pesto with some pistachios makes a really good um, uh, makes a really good pesto with some good olive oil. Keep that in mind as well. Throw it on pasta, vegetables, whatever you want.
2: That's the play, Joey. Thank you.
0: I like that a lot. You're you always See have you great stuff for us. See you later. Anytime. That is our friend Joey Vitale on 101 ESPN. See, he gives you ideas.
2: The pesto. There you go. Yeah, I love pesto and
0: parmesan and
2: parmesan. Nothing wrong with a little Parmesan right no, now. I mean, can't go wrong with shaved that. Shaved Parmigiano, Reggiano. Oh, yeah. that's you, you,
0: Italian people.
2: That's why this is so difficult for me. We eat. I, I know. We love to eat. <laughs> Coming
0: up, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN.